Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. For refusing to follow the script, Kanye West is in the crosshairs. The social media matrix is using its actors and influencers to justify the deplatforming and canceling of Kanye West. We've seen it before. It happened to Louis Farrakhan, Alex Jones, Donald Trump. The social media matrix programmed us to view Farrakhan, Jones, and Trump as existential threats. The same thing is being done to Kanye, a mercurial rapper. At what point do we reject the programming and realize it's an outlawing of free speech freedom of thought, and an assault on truth. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your unshaven host. Uh, Happy Tuesday says Monday, but it's Happy Tuesday. I'm almost positive I was here. Yeah, yeah, Monday Night Football was on last night, and the Denver Broncos looked bad again, and the Chargers looked okay but took the victory. Uh, but anyway, we have a fantastic, awesome show uh, planned for you today. Round of applause. Bryson Gray, Christian rapper, back in studio with us. Thank you, uh, Bryson, for uh, rejoining us. Bryson just lives up the street, and so <laughs> yes, I'll keep milking him for content. Uh, <laughs> Delano Squires will be here today from D.C. Shamika Michelle will be here from North Carolina. Steve Kim will be here from Los Angeles. Uh, fantastic, awesome show planned for you as we dig into the week. Uh, I'm going to have a fire starter, but before that, I want to tell you about uh, my favorite thing to start a fire with, and that's some good ranchers meat out on the grill. Halloween is just around the corner, and if you need a scary story to tell someone, (laughs) tell them about the uncertainty that comes when buying meat at a grocery store. It has alerts and recalls happening every day. Recently, 44 tons of store meat was recalled for listeria. You know who doesn't have spooky meat, though? Good ranchers. They deliver America's best meat and seafood to you year-round. Right now, they're throwing a huge October feast where you can get over four pounds of meat for free, two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef, and two and a half pounds of their better-than-organic chicken for free with any purchase of one of their bundle boxes. Treat your family this Halloween and head on over to GoodRanchers.com fearless to claim your special October feast offer today. Good Ranchers lets you save $25 on every box and locks in your price when you subscribe. Put it into your horrifying meat buying experiences by visiting GoodRanchers.com fearless to get over four free pounds of high quality beef and chicken. The real monster isn't in your closet or hiding under your bed. It's at your local grocery store. Take control over your food with an October feast from Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. 
I love to start the show this way because it's a reminder <coughs> to you all what you need to do to support this show, to support this movement. You got to support our sponsors like Good Ranchers. They support you, me, and our point of view. They're the reason we exist. Be a good soldier. You're going to eat. You're going to eat meat. Get it from Good Ranchers. All right. Uh, let's get this fire started, and then we'll bring in uh, Delano Squires to join me and Bryson uh, after we start this fire. Uh, let's get it rolling. A platform is a stage. Stages compel performance acting. Big Tech and its social media apps constructed platforms for everyone with access to Wi-Fi and a smartphone. Big Tech turned us into actors, inauthentic performers. When news happens, we rush to our platforms and channel Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, and Denzel Washington. We act out the roles that we hope will garner the loudest applause in the form of likes, retweets, and follows. Over the last two weeks or so, we've all been playing roles in a movie about Kanye West, the rapper, fashion designer, and provocateur. He wore a White Lives Matter t-shirt in Paris. He threatened to go Death Con 3 on the Jewish people he blames for undermining him. He insinuated that George Floyd died from fentanyl, not Derek Chauvin's knee. Social media actors took to their stages and pretended West hijacked planes carrying nuclear bombs. They claimed his t-shirt stunt denigrated black people. His Jewish comment fomented a second holocaust, and his opinion about Floyd's death damaged the legacy of a heroic martyr. Meta kicked him off Instagram. Twitter suspended his account. Revolt TV deleted his Drink Champs interview. George Floyd's family threatened a lawsuit. For refusing to follow the script, the social media matrix is using its actors to justify the deplatforming and canceling of Kanye West. We've seen this all before. It happened to Louis Farrakhan, Alex Jones, and Donald Trump. The social media matrix programmed us to view Farrakhan, Jones, and Trump as existential threats. The same thing is being done to Kanye West. At what point do we reject the programming and realize it's an outlawing of free speech, freedom of thought, and an assault on truth? Can't find the truth without free speech. The rigorous exchange of ideas and opinions unearths the truth. The platforms Big Tech constructed for us compel dishonesty. Athletes, celebrities, and influencers, and Joe Blow social media users, many of them unwittingly, are using their platforms to lie. Let's use George Floyd as an example. No one outside of Floyd's immediate family and circle of close friends authentically cares about him or his memory. Floyd is a prop, a costume or wig for social media actors. They feign an affinity for a man they did not know, a man that they would flee if he approached them on the streets. Pretending to be offended by Kanye's insinuation that fentanyl killed Floyd enhances a social media actor's brand. Here's what Kanye West actually said about George Floyd. Take a listen. I watched the George Floyd documentary that Candace Owens put up. One of the things that his two roommates said was, they want a tall guy like me. 
They want a tall guy like me. And the day when he died, he said a prayer for, you know, eight minutes. Mm -hmm. He said a prayer for eight minutes. They hit him with the fentanyl. If you look, the, the guy's knee wasn't even on his neck like that. When he said, mama, mama his, is his girlfriend. They said he screamed for his mama. Mama was his girlfriend. It's in the documentary. Nothing he just said is offensive. It's not offensive. Anybody pretending to be offended is playing a role. How do I know this? Because in May of 2012, two Indianapolis sheriffs tasered and killed my cousin, Anton Butler. They did this in the pouring rain. I love my cousin. I helped raise him. He spent summers with me in Kansas City. Several years, I bought his school clothes and Christmas gifts. His mother was my first cousin. We grew up like siblings. Anton was the smartest kid my family ever produced. As an adult, he was a lot like George Floyd. He did time in prison, he sold and used drugs. He had an incredible heart. Circumstance undermined the direction of his life. Police claim sudden cardiac arrest due to cocaine intoxication killed my cousin. As a family, we dispute that explanation. Eyewitnesses that I personally talked to told a far different story than the police. I've written and talked about my cousin in the past. People have said to me via social media that my cousin was a criminal and died because of cocaine abuse. None of it, absolutely none of it matters. People can hold whatever opinion they want. They are not required to adopt my beliefs. I'm not so arrogant that I believe people should be punished for disagreeing with me, even on an issue this personal and painful. If Floyd's family sues Kanye West, it will speak to their arrogance and greed. The people claiming that West's opinion on Floyd's death is an example of anti-black racism, they're clueless and dishonest. The chief medical examiner testified during Chauvin's trial that the fentanyl in Floyd's system contributed to his death. Anyone who denies that drugs played a role in Floyd's decision to resist arrest and that his resistance contributed to his death is willfully ignorant. Or maybe there's social media actors campaigning for an Academy Award. I'm not campaigning for an Academy Award. I don't want anybody in this audience campaigning for an Academy Award. We gotta, social media is the bane of society. It's ruined public discourse. It's turned everybody into some phony actor. It, it's tearing us apart and driving us apart. It's all a game being played in the Matrix. The whole Matrix movie, Bryson, I, I say, it's, it's just basically Twitter. They, I agree. I agree. And um, <clears throat> what's funny is Dr. Baker, who was talking about the medical examiner, he literally said if George Floyd would have died that same day in the same state he's in, anywhere else, it would have been an overdose because he has so much fentanyl in him and meth in him. Uh, so I don't understand what's so offensive about what Kanye said. And people forget that Kanye paid for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, George Floyd's daughter, college tuition. 
Nothing. Nobody remember that no more, though. And he helped Breonna Taylor's family and everything. People forget about that very quickly. And now the family is trying to sue him. And by the way, his friends in the documentary said them family members, them immediate family members, never came to see him. Never cared about him at all. But everybody cared about them cameras and everybody cared about that money. So like you said, everybody played actor turned to Leonardo DiCaprio as soon as them cameras turned on for a little check. Let's roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring in Delano Squires, who has also written about Kanye West and our reaction to Kanye West. Uh, Delano, let, let's, let's start here. Let's just add your column to the discussion. So unpack the point of, of your, I read it this morning, but I want you to unpack it uh, for our audience. Uh, unpack your points that you expounded on in your column. Sure. So Jason, my, my point is very simple, that hip hop has finally found a conscience. And after decades of having parents and activists and concerned listeners and civil rights um, icons, you know, telling artists that the, the, the music and the images and the culture that they were promoting was having um, a negative effect on the people that they claim to represent, we finally found something that, that the keepers, the gatekeepers of hip hop culture felt um, was a worthy enough offense to cancel somebody. And I didn't think it would take George Floyd's death, but I guess that's that's where the new line is. So so I, I just go through in my piece and, and look at Nori, aka Noriega, you know, who who is the host of Drink Champs and watching him go on this apology tour, you know, talking to the Breakfast Club you know, apologizing to George Floyd's family. Now, this is the same Nori who allowed Irv Gotti to sit in front of him and call Ashanti uh, a bee and, and talk under her clothes for, you know, over an hour uh, as he as he ruminated on a relationship that ended over 20 years ago. Now, that's not apology worthy because in, in, in hip hop culture, um, no amount of guns, no amount of killing or shooting, no amount of degradation, no amount of pimping or stripping is is this is considered hate speech or the promotion of harmful stereotypes it's only when you of, of, uh, offend certain classes of people or you take the wrong opinions on certain topics that the gatekeepers of hip-hop rise up and say no you can go this far but no further so one of the things that i, that I say is that maybe this is the new softer gentler side of hip-hop which which they you know people like Nori and, and LeBron and, and Maverick Carter, who, who took down Kanye's episode of The Shop, maybe they think that this is where hip hop needs to go to be more progressive. But Jason, what that'll mean is uh, a rapper will look at a bikini clad man who thinks he's a woman, ask his preferred pronouns and use those before calling him a bad B. And we'll all clap and say, wow, <laughs> hip hop is, has finally progressed. So, so that's where we are with the genre, and I, and I think it's, it's sad and enlightening. Let me play a clip before I bring Bryson's a rapper, and we're going to get his take. But let me play a clip of Nori, Noriega, on The Breakfast Club apologizing. Let, let's take a look at that. I did not realize that the George Floyd statement on my show was so hurtful. And you got to realize it was the first five minutes of, of, of the show, like when he walked in, he told my producer, he said that if, if, if he, he'll stop um, filming, that he'll walk out. So I didn't want I didn't want a Birdman moment. I didn't want a Birdman moment with y'all, like, you know, where Birdman walked out. So 
so I, I wanted the man to speak. But later on, like I actually checked him about the George Floyd's comments. I actually checked him about uh, the White Lives Matter. But it was so later in the episode, and it was so, it was so like you know I was already inebriated at that time that maybe people looked over it. Mm-hmm. But I apologize to the George Floyd family. I apologize to anybody that was hurt by Kanye West um, comments. Although I do support free speech. I am black, black. Although I support free speech, I'm black, black. This, what does that mean? Like, I'm black, black. You see what I'm saying? I don't, I don't understand what the point of that is. You, it, how can you claim to support free speech? I am tired of all these gangster rappers, right? Noriega was a gangster rapper. I remember. He solved. These people are solved. No, how many people have they had on their show that talked about killing black people all day long? And their music. Mm-hmm. They had Boosie on the show. Every Boos- I can't name a Boosie song where he ain't talking about killing nobody. You know what I'm saying? They had, they, they had all these artists on the show. You have people like Lil Durk, people like King Von, who died. And it's like, y'all have no issue with that. Nobody's taking that stuff down, promoting these rappers that's killing everybody in their music. Or, or Cardi B or people like that who talk about their vaginas for seven songs in a row. But Kanye West is where you draw the line. Because you, because you black, black, but you support free, free speech. But you took the episode down. Well, what, what he's saying is that being black trumps being pro-free speech. And so he, he's saying that I gotta protect my blackness more than I need to protect free speech. And so, and somehow we have defined protecting your blackness as protecting George Floyd. And that's mm. my disconnect, is that, and again, trust me, I know, I loved, I supported my cousin. My cousin got involved in behavior that was not an asset to him, the community, anybody. And I knew him as a child, as a kid. And so my love for him comes from our history and relationship. I'm not sitting around pretending like everybody else knew my cousin that way. My cousin was six foot three, 240 pounds. He did time in Pendleton. He did, I, I, I'm not mad. Delano's blackness isn't dependent on his support of my cousin. Now, mm. my affiliation to my family, the Whitlocks and my cousins and, and you know, the, her, her family and my aunts and all of them, that's dependent on my support of Anton Butler. And mm-hmm. that's why you'll never hear me run away from my love, affinity, and respect for him. But it ain't got nothing to do with my blackness. And I, the fact that other people have a different narrative about my cousin doesn't bother, they don't know my cousin. So it doesn't bother me. And, and that's what I find offensive is that like, there's a black position we have to take mm-hmm over George Floyd, and we have to abandon the truth over George Floyd, and to me, Delano abandoning the truth, and I, Delano and Bryson, abandoning the truth means abandon God, and, and I just reject that. Jason, when, when, I, when I got to that part in your, in your column where you said, you know, no one else has to agree with you about the circumstances of your cousin's death, like that, that really hit me, and, and it really um, just pressed home this point that George Floyd, um, 
has become a symbol, right? He, he is sort of the bodily personification of what Selma is as it relates to a location and place in history. Um, because he, in, in, in some respects, and I'm not trying to, to, to be hyperbolic, in some respects, George Floyd split, split American history in half because so much of what we talk about now is sort of in the post-Floyd era, right? And people have been using him, including black folk, including in the hip hop industry, um, to further their agenda. I remember that when, when, after he got killed, um, Puffy, Diddy, P. Diddy, whatever he's calling himself nowadays, he wrote an open letter, I think, to GMC or so, some corporation saying, you guys have had your neck, your, your knee or foot on our neck for all these years, basically because he's saying that black folk buy your cars, but you don't give enough of your money to our ad companies, right? And, and he likened that to George Floyd's death. Um, one of the things that really brought this home to me and, and really sh- shines a light on who benefits when people like George Floyd are killed was um, a tweet that USA Today put out um, that went along one of its articles. I wanted to re- read it real quick. This is, this is what the tweet said. It said, after George Floyd's death, corporate America pledged to improve diversity in hiring. But two years later, deep racial inequity still exists when it comes to who gets the jobs with the most pay, perks, and power, especially for black women. Now, what does George Floyd's death have to do with black women getting the corner office uh, at Google or Amazon or some other corporation? But again, he's a symbol. And and th- the people who do this type of stuff, people you know writing these things for, for USA Today, all the DEI consultants, who, who suddenly got an influx of business and cash after George Floyd was killed. These are the real culture vultures, Jason. They picked off of that man's carcass for years. And they, they took everything that they could from, from his body and his life. And they said, look, because this happened to him, you have to give this to me. And it's one of the saddest things that I've seen in, in our culture in a very, very long time. I don't like the use of the word symbol. He's a prop. He, he, he's, not a, he's a prop they're using to advance their own careers. He, and, and it's insulting and infuriating to me. And I, I, again, I wouldn't want anybody using my cousin as a prop to get a pay bump on their job. The, 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 that's, they're using George Floyd. That's what I find offensive and it's across the board it's in the media it's in all industries Mm -hmm. Uh, black elites educated trying to climb up that corporate ladder have been using george floyd to protect themselves or to advance their careers in corporate america it's despicable it's gonna it's gonna bite them in the behind though because i don't i don't know if you remember but quite recently um, all these rappers came together because in New York and a few other places, they were trying to ban drill music. They were trying to ban mm. drill music, right? Take away somebody's free speech. And rappers banded together, Meek Mill, Diddy, all these people came together to say, no, you can't take away our free speech. And now they're doing the same thing with Kanye. That's going to bite them in the behind, though. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're making it okay for rappers to get censored, right? You, you can't say certain things, then... You, you have no excuse now when they say let's ban drill music because drill music is actually statistically connected to uh, a rise in crime in multiple places, even the UK. 
Um, so I, I, I don't think this is the good. This is a good move for hip hop, especially for somebody like me who already gets censored. So. Uh, as an artist, so I don't, I don't, I don't like where this is going. Let people, let people speak. Well, the the other thing, people are gonna have to figure out. It, it's, and I'm about to unpack a big thought that may clutter up this conversation. I apologize up front, <laughs> but it's no different than Oberfeld and the legalization of same-sex marriage. And people were sitting there saying, "Hey, man, this is a slippery slope. You, mm -hmm. you do the same-sex marriage thing. This is a slippery slope." that eventually is gonna have drag queens at your school, reading to your little five and six year olds, and, and now you have to sign off on every, oh, men can get pregnant, and all. it's a slippery slope. And so I'm looking at the slippery slope, uh, you know what, it's just Farrakhan. Let's ban him from mm -hmm. social media. It's just, he said some things, let's just start, oh, well, Donald Trump, he's an existential threat, let's just ban him, things will be better. Alex Jones, let's be, things will be better. Kanye West, trust me, it's, they're just gonna keep adding to the list and eventually the slippery slope is going to be you. And it's, I, I'm gonna tell you, the main slippery slope where this is all headed, trust me, because yep. it's already in some countries. What's in the Bible cannot mm -hmm. be written, spoken about, can't, you can't stand on biblical truth. That's where this is all headed. It's plain as day. Anybody that can't see it is, is blind. It's Stevie Wonder. It's so obvious where this goes. And again, this is not a defense of Louis Farrakhan. It's not a defense of some of the uh, Donald Trump's mean tweets. It's not a defense of Alex Jones and Sandy Hook. But damn it. You have to allow people, again, what I always say is, you can't have free without the dumb. And, so, and dumb is D-U-M-B, not D-O-M. And if we're gonna live in a free society, we're gonna have to allow things that we don't like to be said mm -hmm. and heard and quit pretending like we're all this paper thin, soft, and, and it's, it's personal for me just because I look at these people on social media, some of them I know, and only discipline is preventing me from calling them out by name. But I'm looking at them. I mean, these are people I hired, people that I, I, I've given opportunities to. I'm looking at them, I go, they just playing a game. My cousin died. I helped raise him. I paid for the funeral. I shed the tears. And I'm looking at people Pretend, oh, George Floyd is the end-all, be-all, and oh my God, if you say something about George Floyd, you're the worst person in the world. Cut it out. Cut. It's a game, it's a gimmick. It, it's, so, I, I just, and Delano, I'm gonna throw it back to you. Am, am I right mm -hmm. about where this is all headed? It's just, it, eventually, you know what? Stuff in the Bible, don't tweet about it, don't talk about it. It's not fit for public discourse. I, I think you're absolutely right, Jason. And I actually want to connect the two things that you were saying. Um, to me, there's a direct connection between Obergefell and what we're talking about now, because as the, the definition of hate speech gets, gets expanded, right, and part of that is, oh, if, if you don't 
fully support, uh, quote unquote, gender affirming care for trans kids, then that's hate speech. If you dead name some but one, quote unquote, right? You use their given name, their government name, instead of the new name that they came up for them with them for themselves after they quote unquote transition, then that's hate speech. If you don't use somebody's preferred pronouns, that's hate speech. All of these things are gonna be added in. And the people with the largest platforms who refuse to play by their rules, so, someone like JK Rowling, eventually she is going to be banned from the internet. She is going to be deplatformed. People are going to say that she's she's going to incite violence. Uh, she's engaging in transphobic uh, stereotypes. These are all things that are that are going to happen. And and you know, assuming they haven't happened to this point, and every new protected class, every new favorite class is going to be added into the list of people that you can't criticize or or speak honestly about. Um, and, and that's why, to your point, why you have drag queens in schools and libraries and public venues, and, and the people who raise an issue about this are the ones that are being called bigots and hateful. So it, it's, it's I, I had the same feeling that you had. When I see somebody like Noriega, who, who I think did, did time in prison and I feel, I feel like has admitted to being a shooter, right? Now, I don't know if he has actual bodies on, on his belt or if he's just shot at people. But when I hear somebody like this say, oh, I apologize for my harmful words. I mean, the better part of, of gangster rap for the last 30 years, that's all All they do is talking about killing black men and disrespecting and degrading black women and pushing drugs and alcohol on black kids. That's, that's, if, if you took away their ability to talk about, as somebody I know call it GMO, guns, murder, and ops, and if you put a B on there, guns, murder, ops, and, and, and Bs, 90% of hip hop would disappear immediately. And people will say, well, this is, this is all they have to talk about. No, these guys can exercise discipline. Eminem has talked about everything from killing his mama to his baby mama. He has never publicly uttered the N-word one time that I know of because these men actually have self-control. It's just that our culture, for some, for some reason, thinks that it's empowering for us to pay artists who look like us to tell us about how they want to kill us and disrespect us. But we have to draw the line when they take a position on a political issue that, that we don't agree with. And, and that, to me, says everything that you need to know about the corruption um, and the rot at the heart of, of what we call hip hop culture. Bryson, I, I want to bring you back in because Delano's led me to a great point that I want you to expound on is this pretending, again, this acting we do that as a rapper, if you come from the hood, all there is to rap about is drug dealing and gang banging and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 I'm like, well, hold on. My family, my, my father's bar was in the hood my whole life. Uh, I, as a young child, was in the hood. Then as an older child, me and my father were definitely in the hood. My father's bars in the hood. My fat, again, Anton, I, I can write about Josh, I, all in the hood. There's more to talk, there's more going on in the hood than just, I'm from there. Th th there's more going on than just drug dealing and, and pimping and hoeing. My father is from the hoodest you can get. 
He was an R&B singer. I ain't never heard him rap about shooting no gun or killing nobody in my life. He rapped about love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so for people to say this is all you can rap about, not, it's not all you can rap about. Uh, there's a lot of rappers in our history that's from these areas that rap about something outside of what these people rap about. So I don't understand that. And also, I want to add to what y'all said earlier about what's to come. I hate to say it, it's already here. Banning people from the Bible. Mm -hmm. When I got banned on TikTok, I was literally reading the book of Leviticus on TikTok, and that's why I got banned. When I got banned on Spotify, it was because of my song called Pride Month. Uh, and, and I was talking about the Bible in the song, Revelation 21a. You know, I was, I was spewing off Bible verses. Um, so it's already here. It just ain't happening to nobody that's like Kanye West level yet. So the, the Bible is already hate speech. And the UK pastors got arrested for it. This, this stuff is, 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 is already here. Uh, but as far as acting like all you have to rap about is gang banging and shooting and stuff like that, no, you don't, bro. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Come on, bro. So, but that's okay though. Literally, have you like? It's worse because old gangster rap is a little different, right? Now they're about real people that are dead. And if you look up the people that they're talking about, these are sixteen-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds. That they talk about smoking on their packs. These are real kids. Their mamas are still alive doing interviews crying. But none of that is hate speech. They they prop these rappers up to the tippy top. You know, this is oxymoronic in a way. So you started out in rap doing commercial rap. Mm -hmm. it, it is, can you talk about the pressure that the industry seems to point everybody that direction? that they, they, that's the content that they'll pay money to get radio play or pushed out, and they don't jump behind uh, music that this, because I'll take, you know, take my guy Tech Nine, and he's Tech Nine, he's a gang member uh, in Kansas City. Uh, his music though, if you listen to it, far more complex, far more storytelling, much of it, it's not some celebration of, of gangster living or whatever. The guy, and, and this will sound crazy, but you talk to people in the industry, the biggest names, from, was it King Tech and Sway and the people, the tastemakers, they would all, Quincy Jones, when, when Tech Nine was 17, 18, was like, oh my God, this is gonna be the Michael Jackson of rap. Tech Nine is a super talented rapper. He ran into all kinds of problems and never became this big superstar because he wouldn't stick to the script. He wouldn't rap about what they wanted him to rap about. He was too talented and he was too smart and he wanted to do a more complex, thoughtful version of rap. And again, I'm not, you can find some Tech Nine music, and again, he calls himself Tech Nine. You can find some that's stereotypical and all that other stuff. But if you really understand his music and work, it ain't this stereotypical, hey, I, I'm gonna shoot you tomorrow and uh, F this and your mama's a hoe and blah, blah. It, it's just not. But he could never get mainstream corporate support because he wouldn't play their game. So fun fact, the rap group I was in, 336 Boys, we were popular in North Carolina. We were known for making, this was when I was like 15, 16. We had songs on the radio. We were known for making twerk music, if you know what that is. Strictly about women shaking their butts, right? And um, we had a deal on the table, but with the deal, they said this they wanted to continue doing. But me, I can't make the same thing over and over. I'm an artist. I like. 
making totally different things, different subjects. But they, they they didn't like it. So because of me and not wanting to stick to to a script about just painting women in the light of just sexualizing everybody, uh, we lost the deal. And 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 I think that's part of the reason our our group broke up because I got blamed for, you know, what I'm saying yeah yeah yeah. So that's stick it to the script. You have to if you if, if you're known for something or look at Future. Future said he had been stopped taking drugs, but he had to continue rap about taking drugs. Influencing people to take drugs. I mean, that's the name of the game. To be a drug addict, sexualize everybody and kill everybody. And even if you're not doing it, you need to push it or else you're going to lose your deal. Delano, is there any light perhaps at the end of the tunnel? Is, is maybe Kanye is inspiring other people to take the risk and to march to a different beat? I hope so, Jason. But this is one of the things, and we didn't we didn't just learn this from Kanye. I'm gonna I'm gonna use a name that many people will not expect. What we've seen the left and corporate media do to Justice Clarence Thomas over the last 30 plus years um, is really a lesson in how they they will weaponize fear. They will take people, and particularly black people and black men who express unapproved views and they will try to, to um, you know, tarnish their reputation. They'll say that they're engaging in, in hate speech. And the, the biggest takeaway there is not just them attacking these individuals, it's the effect that that has on everybody else. It's a chilling effect. So people will see, all right, well, Clarence Thomas stuck his head up. He got it knocked off or they tried to knock it off. Well. I'm going to have these views. I'm just going to express them privately to my family and my friends over dinner. Same thing with Kanye West. Um, we have done such a poor job of equipping men, and particularly with, with the most important virtue, which is courage, that the, the men in our community think that it's courageous to talk about how you're going to shoot one of your ops. Now, these same guys will go on Breakfast Club, and they'll be sitting there talking to Charlemagne and DJ Envy and Angela Yee, with the big pride flag flowing in the background behind them because they know that they, they dare not transgress that community, right? So the, our notion of courage is completely inverted. Um, it would be more courageous for, and I saw one of the artists, I can't remember his name, at BET the other day at the BET Awards say, look, we, 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 we gotta stop calling these artists real because they're promoting murder to our kids. It would be more courageous for BET to say, we're not running any other music that promotes death, degradation, drugs, stripper culture. We're not running any of it. But they, they're not gonna do that. And I think there are very few rappers who want to go the Kanye route because as Bryson said, nobody wants to give up the bag. And, and one of the things that I said in, in a different column that I, I wrote, but I think it applies here, is that we have been engaged in, in political and cultural harlotry for a long time. People who, who you know, might get the reference, that, if I said, we, we've been Gomer, right, who was the wife of the prophet Hosea, who, who was playing the harlot, who was a prostitute. And, and in our culture, a lot of people, the ones who are most likely to use the term sellout are the ones who will take money and for that payoff, they will pump and inject garbage into our, our air and our water of culture for just the right amount. And, and my argument is that they've been playing the harlot for way too long and for way too cheap. I, I wish guys would say, look, this is my standard. 
I'm not going any anything lower than that. I may not make $10 million, but, I, but I'm fine being able to sleep at night because I know that I'm not the person that's leading to the degradation of my own community. I hope there's some brave people like that and who can speak more, with more clarity and precision than Kanye West, but I don't see many of those people on the horizon. You know, it, it's, it's, I'll just say it and deal with the fallout or whatever, but you know, Kanye is trying to say, hey, there's a demographic that is in control of the music industry that they could, if they wanted to, put a stop to this. And, and I've said it for years, and probably this is why I'm on the hate list, because I was saying this long before social media or whatever. You know, I, I pointed out a long time ago, Bryson, that Michael Jackson tried to use the word kike in a song. And the people that run the music industry said, no, you won't. And he tried to use mm -hmm. it one time. And he wasn't trying to use it to denigrate. But it, it was, what is it? They don't love me anymore, or you don't really love me, or they don't really love us, mm -hmm. I think is the song. I, I, they, don't, they don't really care about they us. They don't care about us, yes. He tried to and they said, nope. Can't do it. And, and I didn't blame them. They have a right to protect their heritage, their legacy, their people. Uh, but when, when me or anybody says, well, hold on. What about all this stuff, negative stuff that's being said about black people? I don't have a right to protect myself. I don't have a right to question you for allowing it, because I, 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 no one has a problem. I, I do blame the rappers, and I've been critical of them. But I keep pointing out like, hey, the people in control of the music industry, I've seen what y'all will do when somebody says something y'all don't like. But, but if, if Kanye says, hey, who's, who's allowing this? Who's paying people to do this? Who's putting it in the contracts, you have to make this kind of music or we won't support it. We can't even have that discussion. And that's why I keep saying, it's an unhealthy relationship. And I know people got upset with me or whatever, but there is an unhealthy, and when I say unhealthy relationship, unhealthy relationships involve two people, both sides. So I'm not just criticizing the secular Jewish people who are in control of the music industry. I'm not just criticizing the black people taking that money and following orders and making that music. They're 50% of that unhealthy relationship. I'm criticizing both groups and we have a right to have that discussion. Y'all can cancel me. I, I'm good. Y'all can kill me, take me to jail. I'm good but I'm not gonna run from the truth. Look up who, um, <clears throat> who recently, in the last four years, is a part owner of TikTok. Look up the part owners of Spotify. Look up the part owners of all, of all these places. You'll understand it's record labels. Warner Music, it's people like that. They, they are part owners of these platforms. They can easily stop pushing it. They actually, they pretty much tell people what to like now. You know what I'm saying? And they, and they push it out. So they don't have to push this nonsense, right? It, it doesn't have to be this way. But, you know, black folk making it and these 
people that own these labels, which are secular Jews mainly, they're the ones funding it and pushing it. So we need to have the conversation because it's both parties. Like you said, it's, it's, it's two, it takes two to tango. And as part of that, we need to have the conversation about it because why is this so? And people need to st stop conflating secular Jews versus religious Jews. I studied the Torah. I studied the entire Tanakh. Proverbs 17, 15 says, justifying wickedness is an abomination. So mm. I know that, it's not, that there shouldn't be any actually practicing Torah keepers or religious Jewish people promoting this kind of behavior because that will be kind of blasphemous to the word of God. So, you know, it's very interesting. It's, Delano, I I'm going to let you go. I, I, I appreciate it. Great job as always. Uh, check mm. out his column okay. at The Blaze. Uh, check out mine. Uh, I'm not sure if I, I'm through. I'm letting Delano go, but I'm not sure if I'm through. There, there's one other point that crossed my mind, and somehow I've had this 55-year-old brain fart. Uh, oh, this is what I wanted to ask you, Bryson. Is you made the point of they tell you what music to like. Mm -hmm. And this is what people don't understand. And, and they don't get why I like this song is horrible, but it's constantly played on the radio, and it's at the top of the charts, but this requires virtually no skill, no nothing, it's just, and it's like, how did they make us like it? And, and they actually, because I'll hear rap songs uh, from no-name artists or not big-name artists, I'm, man, this is one of the coldest things I ever heard. How come this ain't popular? And it's because they decide. And if they, I think it's the, here's a song that I always thought was, I think, wasn't there a song Laffy Taffy or something like that? Girl, say that Laffy Taffy. Girl, Laffy Taffy. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Anybody could do it. To Easy. Me. Easy. It, it, a 12-year-old child could, it takes no skill, but they decided, we're going to make this popular, and, and, either we're so simple-minded or so easily manipulated and influenced that they can make a song like that that takes no real skill, no nothing. They can make it popular and make that person rich. And that's why I almost, not almost, I feel like they sit around in a room, whoever they are, black, white, put, put Russell Simmons in there, put whoever, whatever black faces, tokens that they put in there, they sit around and say, you know what, we're gonna make this person popular. And we're gonna make this music popular. And it doesn't matter. It's so genius though. It's so genius. Think about it, right? Let's look at Spotify. The, the way a lot of people get new music on Spotify is the playlist. Like the, the playlist for rap is called Rap Caviar Playlist. Probably got 20 million, 20 million followers on it. And if you look at right, it it makes sense if people if the song had to be good to get on there. But no, look at any new artist that's pushed by the label. As soon as they release a new song, it's on Rap Caviar playlist the same day. So if that's where you get your your music from, and it's on that playlist, you look at that as reputable. So now you t it's telling you to like it. Let's look at TikTok for example. All you gotta do is get the biggest TikTok people to make one of them little TikToks to the song. If enough people do it, that convinces you that the song was good, even if you think it's trash. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it's genius when you think about it. How they were able to, the labels and people were able to get so much control over not only what's being put out, but what you like. Oh, it's genius, man. And I'm gonna connect this to a bigger narrative, but it's, it's why 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say this. It's I ain't got time to fully unpack it, so I probably shouldn't. But anyway, but it's like why they were so shocked in 2016 that Trump won the election, and the reason why they were so shocked is because they believe in this system that they see play out in the music industry, they see play out in social media. We can make people believe whatever we want to make them believe. If we want people to believe that the police are just running around randomly assassinating black men in the street, we can use our social media apps to convince people of that. We only need 20 instances of it. But we'll make people believe there's a pandemic and we'll make them prioritize that over the 20 people in your neighborhood that you know got shot and 10 of them died. But but you more worried about, oh, my God, I may get struck by lightning and a police officer may kill me. And so their ability to control thought through social media and all these the Internet and all these things they rigged up over Google and through these algorithms. They were so assured in 2016, and Trump broke that system and made them go, oh, we can't control. And so they just dug in deeper and harder in 2020 and said, you know, Trump was an outlier. And then when they couldn't break Trump again, they just basically, and you know, FBI, whoever's watching, they fixed the election and did whatever (laughs) they did. Because they couldn't break Trump. He, he, he proved that their little system of control, the matrix they built on the Internet, uh, could be short-circuited with the right energy. And, and so that, that's, but they keep doubling and tripling down on that. And that's what I'm, I'm looking at here in the music industry and with Kanye and with, with everything. They feel like they can control us through these social media apps, and, and perhaps they're right. They are, they are right, which is why they have to control who you get exposed to. Everybody you named, the Louis Farrakhan, Donald Trump, Kanye, you didn't name Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate, and Andrew Tate. Tate is having him. The thing is, they all may have different opinions on a lot of things, but if you look at the core messages, it's, it, they're the same, right? But who you, who you didn't name is any pot body telling you to wear a dress, tell you to take these, what, gender pills or whatever they are. These people never get banned. These people are allowed to rise and say whatever they want because that's what they want the children to be exposed to. All you have to do is convince one generation of something. And then they're going to pass it down naturally. So what these people do is they, they let people get popular who they want to convince you and anybody that goes out, outside of that bubble or outside of that agenda, they have to take them out of there. Andrew Tate didn't even break any guidelines. They took him out because he was telling men, and from his view, how to be a man. He ain't break no guidelines. What is Kanye truly saying? To be independent, to not be afraid to say what you think at the end of the day? What is Kanye really saying that's so dangerous that you have to take him off? You know what I'm saying? What was Donald Trump actually saying? What? Let's have everything in America. Let's stop allowing... Like like every other country, let's stop allowing illegal immigrants to just come in all willy nilly. Like what 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 like what are people saying that's so bad that you have to rip them away? What is Alice Jones saying that he wasn't right about? <laughs> I mean, take I'll give you throw another take the Alex Barrison guy, harmless that was just out there saying, hey man, this vaccine is unproven. Uh, these masks don't do what they say they do. He's a thousand percent right. They shut him down for a year. 
they shut down many doctors who were trying to tell people, hey, look, man, this experimental vaccine that normally takes 10 years to develop, y'all gonna take it after 10 months? Really? Think it through, folks. <laughs> but Juvenile, though, Juvenile can make a song called Vax That Thing Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, the agenda is so clear if people would just open their eyes, man. And Kanye admitted that people he know got paid for it to push the vax. But, I mean, everybody knows that by now. Everybody knows how that go. So, you know. But they don't connect the dots that they, oh, well, that's just the vax thing. The rest of this stuff, I can believe them on. Oh. Kanye's bad. He, he, does, he thinks George Floyd died of fentanyl. Uh, you know, th that's bad. He can't think that. Sue him. And, and again, it's like, and that's what they figured out. They're gonna have, we gotta take Kanye's money, and same way we gotta take Alex Jones's money. That's the only way to shut him down. Yep, because they, they're already too, they're already too big. Same thing with Andrew Tate, they shut his bank account down. The reason why is because you can't, it's hard to, because Kanye West, a lot of people don't know this. Kanye West is actually, um, earlier this year, he was considered the richest black man in history. Because he got up to 6.6, uh, net worth 6.6 billion. And the issue is when somebody is that rich, they really don't have much to lose. So you can't really, you know, you can't really shut them down by canceling them because they don't care. So you have to take away that. You have to affect that money. You have to affect that income. And then you have to try to do the rest, which is what they finally Kanye do. Kanye West is worth $6 billion? I think they said $6.6 billion. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep, they said $6.6 billion. That was earlier this year. And then I saw something recently where people said that was like, they had articles that was just estimated. But it was a... Uh, it was, it was, yeah, very, very, it was Business Insider, all these people saying he was the richest black man in history of America, obviously. Mm. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit the notification, hit subscribe. You can email us, let us know your feedback, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to bring in my favorite fearless soldier, Shamika Michelle. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to uh, North Carolina and bring in Shamika Michelle. I'm not calling this particular segment Make It Make Sense. I just wanted Shamika's insight as I figure out how to respond uh, to something that I saw interesting on YouTube. Uh, Shamika, myself, and Bryson all saw uh, the premiere of Candace Owens' documentary about Black Lives Matter, the greatest lie ever sold, and, and the rise of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Uh, we talked about it here on this show, and uh, Candace Owens has uh, filed an objection uh, about some of my critique. I, I think it's delivered uh, good-naturedly. 
and from a positive place, I think for the most part, but uh, I'm still thinking through how I'm gonna respond, so I wanted uh, Shamika and Bryson's help. Uh, let's take a look at uh, Candace's critique of my critique. Essentially, your point is that I'm not ghetto enough to engage in this documentary. This is a critique I get all the time. Like Candace speaks proper English, and so people are not going to be able to connect with her. As a, what did you want me to? What, this is how I dress. This is actually how I don't have a stylist. This is legitimately how I dress. So you want me to pretend to be someone I'm not? What throw on some uh, fresh Air Force Ones, some old school FUBU, put big hoops that have my name in the middle, and say yo 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 at the gate? It's just, it's not who I am, right? I made a documentary to expose the truth. I'm not going to present a lie while trying to expose others for lying. That doesn't make sense. I'm not going to present a lie while presenting the truth. I, I, I find a lot of difficulty with this entire concept that when black Americans look presentable, they somehow can't connect. That's the, actually one of the problems, I think, in black culture. And as a final two points to this, you're talking about the fact that I showed up with my camera crew. Well, yes, they did happen to be white. Uh, car service, no, we rented a car that could fit the camera crew. Obviously, we were filming a documentary. Um, but I don't live my life in the way that Patrice does. I was pointing to the irony that this is a woman that is sitting supplanted in Beverly Hills or in, what was it, uh, Laurel Canyon in California, and she says that she's terrified of white people. There's nothing about white people that are around her. I don't say I'm terrified of white people. So what I do is I engage in a meritocracy. The people that were the best people that I needed behind the lens were behind the lens. People that I felt were the best security members were the people that were the security members that were on site. I hire people based on their merit, not based on their skin color. I don't want us to engage in the same kind of racism that has become commonplace on the left. Lastly... I don't know why people keep falling for this, but these, my friend, are the diamond earrings that you're talking about. Jason, they're fake. Do you want these? Send me a note. I will literally send them to you. I remember Hawk Newsom from Black Lives Matter basically made the same arguments you made when he was on my show. And he said, look at you with your big diamond earrings. And I offered that. I said, Hawk, if you want these earrings, you can have them right now. I think these cost like 50 bucks and they were from Nordstrom. So if you want them, Jason, you can have them. All right. So I, I and Justin, I don't know if we have I, I would like to, if possible, if we could play the clip of me and what she's responding to just for a little bit more context. If you could let me know if we could if we could do that. And, and so and what also isn't in there is that. And again, you can find the full clip on YouTube. I think she called it the dumbest criticism of my documentary. You can look it up on YouTube. It's, it's delivered with some positive energy, some respect uh, for me. Uh, it's not some mean-spirited attack or whatever. And so I think she's responding to part of my critique uh, last week about the documentary was like, uh, the scene where she went up to Patrice Cullors' house, I was like, man, it looked like they took a private car. You know, she's kind of dressed like she's going to uh, a, a bridge party. 
uh, with a bunch of white suburban women or whatever. And I said, she's standing outside her door, like, where are the white people at? And in the background, you can see that Candace's crew appears to be a couple of white dudes. And so <clears throat> these were small critiques that I think Candace knows were small critiques. The, the overall gist of what I had to say was, I left the experience of that documentary with a higher opinion and feeling better about Candace than I have at any point during her career. And I praised her pre-documentary speech that talked about God and family and the education uh, uh, element that, that's missing here in America. And I talked about that I wanna reach out to Candace because I think I could actually help her as a journalist and as an older person. She's young, uh, she's not a journalist. I just felt like the, the documentary could have been constructed in a more powerful way. And the point that she hopped on were some small critiques. I, I don't really have a problem, but anyway, uh, I'm gonna let uh, Shamika and Bryson give me some advice here or their take. Uh, Shamika, uh, what did you think of Candace's pushback on my criticism? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I put on my big earrings with my name in it. See that? Goddess. <laughs> That's my name, Goddess. You know, I do think, like you said, it was very lighthearted because she really could have gone in if she wanted to. And I think she missed the bigger point, but I think she missed it on purpose because she wasn't really seriously offended by it. I do think what it speaks to, though, is something that really bothers me when it comes to the topic of, you know, black conservatives or even reaching out to the black community. And it's not just Candace. Like I've heard people on both sides of the argument say the same thing. And it's not about being ghetto. I wish we would stop using that word all the time with such a negative connotation. Like the ghetto is a part of a city usually a slum occupied by minorities, but the, the negative connotations is that it means you're inferior, you don't have class, you're not refined, and that's just simply not true all the time. Like, you know, uh, my best friend was valedictorian of our class. She was raised, however, in the projects, but she received a full scholarship to attend the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill that she turned down to attend the HBCU instead. Like people from those places aren't necessarily the negative connotations that we attach with ghetto. And so when we say like, because I'm one of the people that say I referenced it on that particular show in that segment, that there are different voices. It does not all the time mean that somebody has to be ghetto or hood. Like, I don't want Candace to change who she is. Um, and before I go any further, Jason, let me say, I don't want the $50 fake earrings. I get mine for $7, my fake diamonds at the beauty store. But that blazer, <laughs> Red Rover, Red Rover, send that blazer right over because I rock that. Now, I like that blazer. <laughs> so, you know, I just want us to understand that when we say different voices, we're not necessarily saying ghetto in the negative sense, like you have to be hood or you have to be street or you have to be uh, low class. We're just kind of saying that there's all different types of voices and um, 
some people reach out or connect with who they connect to. Ted Cruz is different from Madison Cawthorn. Nobody had an issue with that, though. Madison was able to reach the people that he could reach. Ted Cruz reaches the people that he reached, you know, and I think that's what we're saying. I hate it when they just automatically go to ghetto and negative. I don't like that. Yeah, I want to be clear here, too. I don't think last week I said anything about uh, she wasn't black enough or she needed to be more ghetto. She's, I think, perhaps as a gimmick and trying to make a bigger point that, that had nothing to do with me is why right. she went down that path, because I don't think it's a reaction to anything I actually said, because I don't think that. Now, we did have a question about, was she the right messenger? And my critique of that had to do with journalists, and is she uh, clever? Is she going to be intentional enough about if she's trying to reach a black audience and present them with information that, that they may find upsetting or new to them, did she take the right approach? Did she, and again, that's where I'm arrogantly saying, Candace, I, I would have loved to have helped you craft this in a way that you're not just preaching to a choir, you're preaching to doubters and skeptics and people that are part of the George Floyd church. And it, perhaps you can reach some of them with a different approach. Uh, and that has nothing to do with being ghetto. I, you know, the fact that Candace Owens speaks great English is awesome. The fact that, and I said this last week, the fact that she looks that good, I think is awesome. You, be very hard to find me have a problem with any attractive woman. It, it's, 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 that's a difficult task. Uh, and so those weren't my uh, complaints, but I think she was trying to make a different point to a different group of people. Uh, and so any, uh, Bryson, did, did you have any thoughts about? Yeah. Um, first off, I'm gonna be honest, that was a hilarious response. I was like, Candace was hilarious. <laughs> now, the thing is, I don't think she was really responding. She couldn't have been truly responding to you because last week you were saying she didn't look like a journalist. It had nothing to do with like her looking black or anything like yeah. that. Cause you kept bringing up and you made sure you ran that point home that like, it was like a journalist. You kept talking about journalism, how you were a journalist, you can yeah. help, you know what I'm saying? You didn't think it had a journalist look. I was like, I don't know if she added that part in for a comedic effect, but uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> so, and um, the thing you said about the, like, the one thing you said about, the part about defending uh, Derek Chauvin, she should have put at the end yes. rather than the front. As a person that actually enjoyed the documentary, I do agree with that if you're trying to reach people like you said a part of the George Floyd church you could have had that part at the end after you laid out the groundwork first uh but yeah a lot of that I like the documentary man but yeah that's uh that was interesting so uh I'm not gonna blow any smoke back I don't think because I don't think she blew any real smoke at me I, I actually think her agenda was to be humorous uh, while addressing someone that did offer some criticism of her documentary. I have, I said it last week uh, that I would do this. I have reached out to Candace uh, through, I think, uh, a woman that works directly with her on that show or on her show or works with Candace. 
I, I really authentically uh, would like to connect with Candace. I, I'm someone that I acknowledged on the show. I said it last week. Perhaps I've been wrong about Candace. And, you know, going to that documentary premiere opened my eyes to a part of her perspective that I was unaware of. I have to remember that she's young. Uh, and, and, and I don't say that in any kind of uh, condescending way. Uh, anybody that watches me on this show, I, I love young people. I want to lift and elevate them, not for my own benefit. Uh, I just want to be in support of them because we're going to need young voices to really carry this fight that we're in. And so I, I, I want to elevate Candace and, and help her perhaps uh, change up a little bit of her strategy to, to reach people. Because, you know, preaching to a choir is easy. Uh, preaching to sinners and committed sinners is very, very difficult. And there's just little tweaks and strategies you have to do. And again, you're putting on a documentary. It, it's, it, it's, she's talking about presenting herself in an authentic way. And, and again, part of my criticism last week is I think it was too personal for her and she's thinking more about herself than, and all I'm saying, let's just think about the audience. And if you can put something together that's so compelling that people that worship George Floyd are stopped in their tracks and have to rethink their position, your choir is going to love it. You're, you're quiet. The people already on your team are going to love it. But then if you put it in a way that the people not in your choir have to respond, react, think about their position. Now you've hit pay dirt and gold. And I think there was an opportunity to do that. Shamika, I'll right. give you the final thought. No, I totally agree. And I think your critiques were constructive. And I believe that she knows that as well. And I do think that she will probably adjust to it. I definitely understand when you say that she's younger and it's not in a condescending way. There have been people that have tried to get me to go really hard uh, on Candace. And one of the things that I've said is she's young enough to be my daughter. Like, so I wouldn't actually tear my child down. I'm not going to go full uh, ham on Candace. Like, I just will not do that because I do feel like there's room for her to grow. And I think she's already awesome. And anything that we actually critique or criticize, there's still that room or area for her, her to mature in. So I just think it's kind of a wasted argument. And, you know, when you said you reached out to her people, reach out again, because I authentically want that blazer. <laughs> so, Candace, <laughs> I'm in Nashville on Monday. Send it on over. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how old is Shamika? Ain't she like 40? Oh, yeah, why are you right asking me? Right <laughs> I'm for real. Right this whole time I've been knowing you, I thought you was like, what? I'm almost 50, Bryce. She would, she would be a very young mother of Candace. You know, She's you got, almost 50? Yes. Ain't 40, no way. 46, right? Am I right? I am. I'm 40. How old am I? I'm like, how old am I? I'm 47. <laughs> oh. Right. What? I yeah. thought you was like 40 tops. Yo, I am dead. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, you Bryce. 
You're welcome. I'm going to have to get Thank you, you Shamika. Nice <laughs> we'll have Bryson back on Monday as well, so he'll be here uh, hopefully. Let me Don't let me speak for Bryson. But anyway, Shamika will be in town, be here on the show. Oh, yeah, I'll be uh, here. Monday and Tuesday. All right, uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, we're going to switch it up, talk a little sports with the Korean co-sell Steve Kim. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles, bring in the Korean co-sell Steve Kim. Uh, Steve, either you sent it to me or somebody sent it to me. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith uh, somehow turned the Tom Brady discussion <laughs> and the discussion about Tom Brady yelling at his offensive lineman. Stephen A. found a way to play the race card on this situation. I want to get your thoughts. Let's take a look at uh, Stephen A. Smith but I want to get to a bigger point before I pass it to you. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be consistent. Was Tom Brady passionate or was he the angry white guy? Mm. Because if that was somebody else doing what he was doing with his offensive lineman, we would have been talking about, if that was a black man, we would have been talking about his temper. We'd have been talking about the fact that he might not need to act like that with the cameras rolling. I had no problem with it whatsoever. If brothers ain't blocking for you, you 45 years old, you behind the center, and you getting smacked around, you damn right you should get in their face. I have no issue with what Tom Brady did with them whatsoever. All I'm trying to say is that when a black quarterback does that, I don't want to hear nothing about it since nobody's saying anything about Tom Brady doing it. And I also don't want to hear about stuff being overblown. He went to Robert Kraft's wedding on a Friday night. He missed the walkthrough, etc. They clearly are not on the same page. They don't seem to have everything right. in order. If this was somebody... Now, in that regard, there is a Tom Brady category that's separate and apart from everybody else. The anger part, when he's getting on the offensive lineman, no. That's, everybody should be lumped into there. But in terms of him missing a, a, a walkthrough uh, because he went to the wedding, damn it, that's Tom Brady. Well, I'm that this. I will forgive him for. I'm say- <laughs> so... I think part of what Stephen A. Smith is doing there is I think Daryl Moose Johnston was the broadcaster calling that game, and Daryl Moose Johnston was defending Brady, uh, yelling at his offensive lineman, whoever the broadcaster was. Maybe it wasn't Moose. I can't remember. But, but I think he's saying, he didn't say it articulately or clearly, that you know the broadcaster, if it had been a black quarterback – would have done X, Y, and Z. And it's just a joke, man. And, and, and I didn't like what Tom Brady was doing because, again, he's not all in, and his teammates know he's not all in, and so him yelling and screaming at them uh, just doesn't come off the way it did when he was in New England yelling and screaming at people because he was all in. But there is no racial component here. And I, I asked over Twitter yesterday, I was like, who, who is Stephen A. Smith's MK Ultra handler? Who, who, is, who, who is telling him to do this to force these issues? Because it's like it's come from seemingly out of nowhere where he's constantly doing his Shannon Sharp impersonation. And I think someone is paying him or put him up to doing it. 
Well, first of all, it's interesting. TMZ interviewed Thomas Jones, longtime running back. Actually, I think was starting running back for the Bears when he went to the Super Bowl back in 2006. They asked him about it, and he said, no, that's football. Happens a lot. Happens all the time. It's not a big deal. And quarterbacks getting on their offensive line, that has been going on for years. I remember as a kid, uh, Dan Marino used to get on guys all the time. Troy Aikman certainly did that. Here's my theory, Jason, as to why Stephen A. Smith pulled out the race card on this particular day. If you go back a couple of weeks ago, he put Miss Sting, Malika Andrews, in her place. Okay, so that went against the code, sort of. Last week or so, he was actually making the rounds for his podcast on Fox News. That's really against the code. So now, uh uh-oh, wait a minute. The community is not happy with him. So he has to basically go and do this fake neutrality. So it was time for him to dial up the let's get on the white media and white quarterback card. That's what I think is going on here, that he has to even up the score to show everybody, see, I get on everybody. And I hate that. Because they believe doing that and criticizing someone or the other side at an even ratio is fair and balanced. They think that's being neutral, and it's not. Now, all you're doing is accounting. It's very dishonest. And I see a lot of people do this in all forms of media. But I truly think that once he made the rounds on Fox News, and I saw some of the clips, and I was surprised that he actually did that and actually got along well with some of the hosts. And that must have angered certain people even more. So to get back into the good graces of certain people, you had to go there. Yeah, it's one of those deals where people people are playing both sides and you want to be everything to everybody and not have any willingness just to right is right, wrong is wrong, the truth is truth, you know, a lie is a lie. And so, yeah, I do think he's playing that game. He does have a scoreboard, a score. And you want to say, see, well, yeah. I played the race card on Tom Brady. Can't criticize me. Jason, and it, it... three, four weeks ago, we had an incident where Quinnen Williams, very good young defensive tackle for the Jets, was about to beat up his coach. I mean, his teammates on the sidelines had to get him back or there wouldn't have been assault and battery. You know what? No one brought up race. They said, oh, things got heated. Young players got to calm down. And you know what? Quinton Williams is playing at a Pro Bowl level for a rejuvenated Jets defense. And they look like a real team. And you know what's funny? Everyone just said that's football. Calm down. I guarantee you Quinton Williams and that coach are probably getting along pretty well right now with the way things are going. Nobody's brought it back up. It's not an issue. It's football. And I'm actually, well, I'm not surprised given the network but I wish one of those players would have said, uh, Stephen A., <laughs> back off. It's, it's not really that deep. It's football. We've all been through it. It happens. Um, it's not a big deal. But again, there's a certain agenda that is pushed on that four-letter network. And Stephen A. Smith, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, had to get his get back. All right. Uh, speaking of get back, uh, Bubble Wallace seems to be backpedaling. He issued an apology uh, yesterday over Mm -hmm. his incident. uh, uh, Let me read the apology over his incident with Kyle Larson and and all that. I want to apologize for my actions on Sunday following the on-track incident with Kyle Larson and the number five car. My behavior does not align with the core values that are shared by the 23XI Racing and our partners 
who have played a crucial role in my incredible journey to the top of this great sport. I want to apologize to NASCAR and the fans, along with Christopher Bell, Joe Gibbs, Racing Team, and Toyota for putting them in a situation in the playoffs that they do not deserve. I compete with immense passion, and with passion at times comes frustration. Upon reflecting, I should have represented our partners and core team values better than I did by letting my frustrations follow me outside of the car. You live and learn, and I intend to learn from this. Uh, so what he basically is saying Wait is, I'm not going to apologize for running Kyle Larson yeah. off the track. I'm going to apologize for trying to fight him after we got out of our cars. And so, which, you know, I do think there are people in racing that think the retaliation on the track that that's racing is dangerous, but it's a dangerous sport, and we've seen that before. Uh, anyway, your thoughts on his apology? You know, I didn't actually read the apology when I saw it. I just kind of skipped over it, retweeted it. I, I didn't hear the name. Uh, hey, look, I'm sorry to Kyle Larson. Now, this is interesting. I didn't know Kyle Larson was part Asian, so what happened to Stop Asian Hate? I, I guess that hasn't gotten to him yet. No hashtag there. Okay, whatever. But there's no doubt that they told Bubba, old Bubba, hey, look, look you're going to have to save face here. You're going to have to take one for the team. You're going to have to apologize, or you're going to face some ramifications. It's like most apologies. Um, people aren't sorry for the actions, for better or worse. And if he's not sorry, he's not sorry. There's nothing I can do to control that, nothing me or you can say that's going to change Bubba Wallace's way of thinking or his mindset. But uh, he was forced to do this. I get it. Um, I actually would have had more respect for him if he would have said, damn it, I tried to run him off the road and I wanted to kick his ass. Because at, at, at least at that point, he's a lot more honest than he is now with that mealy mouth of apology statement that he just put forth. Bryson, you don't have to say anything if you don't want, but I did. You got any thoughts on any of this? Um, yeah, so the Tom Brady thing, well, Steve pretty much took it all out of my mouth, but uh, I thought that was normal. I played football growing up. I don't. I, I thought yelling at people was normal, and he is right. Steven, Stephen A. Smith been on like a little journey where it seemed like he was getting red-pilled, and I think he has to, um, I think Stephen A. has to bounce back and get in the good graces of everybody, so let me just say something randomly. Uh, pro-black but I have a question like it seemed like he was referring to a situation that happened where people were angry at a black man for doing it or did he just make that up out of thin yeah. air made it up out of thin air <laughs> oh my goodness made it up out of thin air <laughs> do you notice how he has a no example to cite yeah I mean by the way it is great to be on with Bryson I am a huge admirer we, we've exchanged some dms uh he's gotten me through a lot yes, of sir. workouts on the treadmill because after all all of this I got to work at it Bryson thank you very much it is great to have you here but yeah and that's the other thank thing um uh, my my view is this it, it this is where Stephen A Smith loses me uh why not talk about the performance of Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson a little bit more rather than Tom Brady I don't get that. I mean, every time Tom Brady blows up at his lineman, and it's happened before, we talk about it. It's a story. But, yeah, Stephen A. Smith, it seemed to me, Bryson, was getting red-pilled, and somehow someone did the Heimlich maneuver and caught that pill right up. It's gone. It's gone. Uh, Bryson, I do want to warn you, uh, Steve Kim, 
welcomed Uncle Jimmy and Greg Couch to the show with that same kind of warm no, a welcome he wrong. just gave you. And then this behind so the wrong. scenes, the, behind the scenes was like, <laughs> get these guys off the air with me. With <laughs> Wait my, a minute. Wait they're a taking a my minute. camera time. <laughs> Wait a minute. I may be Michael Jordan. I'm not Jerry Krause. Don't, I, I'm not the Turk. I don't tell anyone to bring in their playbook and the coach wants to see you. I, I'm, just, I'm part of the working stiffs here, too, at Blaze. Give me a break. Don't listen to old Bryson. No, don't believe that. Uh, don't. So, Steve, we're going to wrap up today's show with an approval rating Ugh. on uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson and the uh, Denver Broncos lost again last night uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers, 19-16, to I believe, in overtime. Uh, it was a bad game. Uh, Russell Wilson started out. Russ was cooking uh, early, first quarter, 10 for 10. Then he fell off a cliff. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach, and Russell Wilson are in some hot water in Denver. Uh, It's just not going well. Russell Wilson's kind of destroying his legacy right now. I don't know who to blame. Before we get to the actual, well, yeah. It, uh, no, 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 no. In your job performance of Russell Wilson, I want you to talk, who do you blame for the problems going on in Denver? It's, it appears uh, you're blaming Russell Wilson. I gave him a six for job performance. He's off to a terrible start. Uh, Steve, you're even worse than that. You gave him a three. Yeah. How come? Well, it's easy. Look, at the end of the day, you're the one getting all this money. You're the franchise. You forced your way out of Seattle. And by the way, the Seahawks, congratulations. You've upgraded your quarterback position. Never thought I'd say that five months ago, right? Look, it's never just one thing. It's a lot of things. Because the offensive line, there was some bus up front. I don't think they have a real number one receiver. But in the immortal words of the crooner, Keith Sweat, something, something just ain't right. And he looks like a diminished athlete. He no longer can evade the rush. And he's missing wide-open checkdowns that could really make his life easier. Now, Jason, you always get on me for either giving a 5 or a 0 at the end of my ratings. Well, on behalf of Russell Wilson's jersey number, based on his future play, (laughs) I give him a 3. Man, he's been bad. Yeah, that that seems a little rough, but I I can't disagree too much. Uh, Now, here on this next one, Steve, I don't get where you're coming from. Russell Wilson is a high-character individual. What's the knock on Russell Wilson's character? I don't see it. I gave him a 22. You gave him a 10? You know what? Why? Oh, my God. You know what? Your your name should be Goodwill because you are being very charitable. Let me go back through the history of me and Mr. Wilson. I remember watching him his freshman year in 2008 at North Carolina State. Miami played at Carter-Finley Stadium, and I saw this little guy – who could throw the ball. And I said, that guy's got a future. I don't care how short he is. I was his biggest fan for about five, six years. But there's been a change in Russell Wilson. When he married Ciara, or whatever that lady's name is, something changed. You want to talk about the demonic forces of celebrityhood and fame? I'm telling you, she's kind of been poisoned to his brand, and he's changed. I don't even know who he is anymore. I don't like what's become of him. And then I saw some interview where Marshawn Lynch, old Mr. Beast Mode, uh, to call Russell Wilson, a former teammate of that stature, has to call his assistant. 
Really? After all that man has done for you and you went through battles, certain teammates have to call the assistant. No, I'm not down with it. He gets a 10. That shows a lack. That shows a lack of character to me. You give Marshawn Lynch your number. Good grief. That's not a good look, Jason. You had Come a on. better argument. You had a better argument than I anticipated. No. Thank you. Uh, what I do. Which, what I do. Uh, <laughs> leading me to believe that you'll have a good argument on authenticity as well. I do think there's some an argument to be made that Russ is inauthentic and he's you know performing and virtually everything about he and CR seems like it's all a performance. I gave him a 13. You know, I found him somewhere right in the middle between. Uh, I gave him a 13. You gave him a five in authenticity. What are you? I mean, are you his agent? I mean, and if you want, no. congratulations on that deal. Because you want to talk about inflation. Those last three, four years, the Broncos, oh, my God, they better get debt relief with that contract. The guy's going to get $50 million plus, And that's three years down the line. Did you see that video he put out yesterday? I think I sent it to you where he says everyone needs an alter ego. And I'm thinking, no, no, they don't. You, your alter ego used to be elite quarterback. And I'm Mr. Unlimited. And I'm thinking, this guy's become Russell Weirdo. I mean, did you see that? that? That was bizarre. That was, I could see why his Legion of Boom teammates did not vibe with them right there. I want to apologize to them because I've been very critical of those guys for not kind of getting with Russell Wilson. Uh, Mia Culpa, guys, I get it. Russell Weirdo is just a strange dude. I don't see how in the world after these recent performances you put out that alter ego video of Mr. Unlimited. No, you can't lead this team. I, I believe Denver, what they should do is petition Roger Goodell and see if they have lemon laws because that's exactly what they got. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was cringe. So I think I gave him like you a five. You gave him a five. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you my gave God. him a five. I, yeah, he hit awful. Jeez. From Lemon Law for Russell Wilson, that's pretty good. I'll have to think about that. (laughs) Steve, and again, you're really blowing me away. Of all your scores, this one may be the hardest for me to stomach. It factor. Yeah. I give him an 18. You give him a 10? It's Russell Wilson. He's one of the biggest names in football. He's an undersized quarterback. He's got a pretty unique narrative. People still want to see he's married to a superstar celebrity singer. He's got it factor. Good looking kid. You know why I gave him a 10? Because he no longer has it. I see eroding skills. Now, on a serious level, he is no longer that that explosive, twitchy athlete that can get himself out of trouble. That's the one thing that's very noticeable. Early in his career at the Seattle uh, Seahawks, he was really effective. Number one, a strong running game. Great defense. And he could evade pass rushers and on the fly really make some big plays out of nothing. I believe that his athleticism is now eroding and he no longer has it. I think he's become a punchline. And right now, one of the major stories in the National Football League is that Russell Wilson is a bust. And watch what happens here. They're playing the Jets next week. And I know that's at home. That Jet defense on all three levels, I think, is really good. I'm actually very curious to see as he goes up against Sauce, Quinnen Williams, C.J. Mosley. Oh, I can't wait. Because this is going to become a real theme about just how 
how is Russell Wilson now? Is it Russell washed? I'm telling you, I think he's already seen the best football. It's, it's on his rearview mirror. I just think it's. I think this was a terrible deal for Denver. I'm going to stamp right. I'll plant my flag. I always say it's early. I'll make that statement right now. We've already seen the best of them. Uh, we're getting complaints from the peanut gallery. Uh, I called her Ciara. I, I don't know what you called her, but the peanut gallery says it's Sierra. Sierra, uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't have. Does her anyone album. really care? Yeah, I mean, does please, anyone really care? Now, Bryson Gray's I mean, music I seriously. listen to. Uh, uh, Miss CC, whatever her name is, I don't. Okay, that's my taste in music. I don't. I haven't bought. Her this music is like. It's like uh, Justin at some point is going to send me a message. It's Ye, not Kanye. It's Ye. ye. Isn't it Ye? Or yeah, ye or it's, whatever. I mean, it's Diddy, not Puffy. I mean, yeah. Sierra, Sierra, Look, Tomato, uh, Tomata. I mean, who, who really cares? I, I want to tell seriously. the Blaze audience and Fearless audience one thing. If it ain't Anita Baker, yeah. first and foremost, if it's not Whitney Houston, if it's not Charday, and if it's not Karen White, the superwoman, the rest are crap. So I don't care how we pronounce it. But she's been poisoned. She's been absolute poison to the brand and the career. And Seattle, you got off lucky. You're good right now. You guys are scrapping hard. You got all those draft choices. Good job, Pete Carey. You fleece Denver. These these guys, we got the whole peanut gallery chiming in now. (laughs) Justin's got his choir with Christian. Steve, I want you to say testosterone. No, testosterone. You butcher that, Jason. You got a lot of strengths. Does anyone care? Well, yeah, the testosterone industry does because you're certainly never going to get a brand. You're never going to be a brand influencer for or any of those companies. I'll tell you that much. How about Tua Tongue Viola? Do I, do I oh, get I that right? I, I get complaints about that all Tua the time. Tua Tongue Viola. Tua Tongue Viola. That's or the what other I just one is said. DJ. No, that's good. Or how about this one? DJ Ungalele. Having a pretty good year for Clemson. Who I'm, is that? I'm still calling Oh. Quarterback for Clemson, comeback player of the year in the oh. ACC. I've been working on it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did I get uh, that I right? Call, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm not good at that yeah, one. I call him freak. Greek Freak. Anyway. Yeah, I don't watch NBA. Not one anymore. day I'm going to let Justin and Kristen host the show and see if they <laughs> can pronounce all these names properly. Pronounce all Sierra, Ciara. Let them host the show. It's easy but, to sit yeah. back and criticize. What about well, the man in the arena? Yeah, man in the I'm sorry. Wrap uh, it up. It, yeah, right. I'm the I'm man in the arena, and these guys are sitting around second-guessing me because yeah. I can't say Sierra or Sierra or yeah. Tomato, Tomato. Anyway, go ahead. Wrap this but up. At the end of the I've day, got him at a... Oh, my God. Oh, go what? You have him at... Can- oh. He's candlelit. He's a complete dumpster Man's got fire. a Super Bowl. He's got that a Super almost, Bowl. Almost a decade ago. Almost a decade ago. Right now, he is literally a top five bottom quarterback i'm just telling you he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league and i think all his antics and his persona i would bet from inst and then now i guess melvin gordon wants to trade he wants yeah look he's kind of fumbled his way out of a job but when you invest that much draft capital and that much of your salary cap into a player that plays that poorly i i would love to see what is going on in that bronco locker room what they really think about number three all right, Steve, I got to let you go. Uh, Breeson, Breeson, uh, <laughs> you got anything you want to add? <laughs> hey, Steve has had me dying laughing this entire time, and I'm almost crying. <laughs> anyway, that's it for us. 
Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. That's Tamara playing in your ear right now. Tamara Conrad said that right. I will see you tomorrow. freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.